0: the promise that when we pray, God hears our prayers. He says, Cast your anxieties on me, for I care about you. And as we continue uh, on in our, uh, you know, study of Revelation, the letters to the churches, I, I uh, you know, thought of this um uh, children's song that uh, I remember singing. It's actually in our hymnal and, uh, you know, uh, maybe others will learn it. It's Jesus loves the little children. Anybody do you guys know that? You know, uh, do you know there's four verses to that song? Probably not. There's four verses. See, we we have hymns that, you know, some of you may go, oh my goodness, are we singing all the verses? Well, maybe. But there's a lot of verses to some of these songs that even we don't have. We know the first verse, don't we? You know, Jesus loves the little children. Come on, you got to sing it. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. See, and as we get into Revelation, we may want to change the words of the song a little I know that's a scary thing, because I'm taking something that some of you have known for years and going, oh, come on. Don't ruin that one, too. But maybe we need to kind of have it a little bit different. And I'm not going to sing it, because every time I try to sing it, I put myself off. So I'm just going to say maybe what the words need to be a little different. Jesus loves all the churches of the world. Big and small, rich and poor. All are precious in the Lord. Jesus loves all the churches of the world. The next verse that goes on, if you were to pick up the hymnal, you would see Jesus died for all the children. You need to be reminded, Jesus died for all the churches of the world. All the churches, big and small, rich and poor, all are precious in the Lord. Because we come to this second church in the letters of the church uh, of Revelation, in uh, Revelation 2, 8 through 11, And it says to the angel in the church in Smyrna, writes, in Smyrna, you know, you you see on this little thing, for those of you who are in person, we we talked about you know, Ephesus, and Ephesus, I mean, they were a strong, probably a big church in many ways. They were an epicenter of, of Christian life and thought, I mean, goodness gracious, they had the who's who list of pastors. They had Paul. They had Timothy. They had the apostle, disciple, John. I mean, this is... You you think of some of the great pastors of our world. These are some of those that they could hang their hat on. They were probably, to some extent a wealthy church because of where they were. And then to come to this second church, Smyrna, that according to scholars of history is almost the opposite of Ephesus. They're not very big. We don't know of any great pastors that were ever there. We don't even maybe know much about the church of Smyrna. If my memory is correct, and I'm not suggesting it is, but if we were to look in the book of Acts, where I don't believe we read much about Smyrna, we read about Ephesus, we read about some of these others, but not much about Smyrna. We read in this letter here that unlike maybe some of its counterparts, we read in verse 9, I know of your poverty, these were a group of Christians that did not have much. Or maybe anything. You know, as we have a saying in our world, they didn't even have two nickels to rub together. Or I heard a different one yesterday. I it was from uh, Dr. James Willis. That guy who has more sayings uh, than I, I ever think of. He says, they rub two dimes together to get a uh, quarter. Uh, I don't quite get that. <laughs> You know, he's our, he's a brother in the Lord up in Toledo. If you've never met Dr. Willis, you're missing it. Uh, he'll be at Angel God. Pastor Paul get to meet him again. You know. I uh, uh, you know, we went to this church once, um, you know, back in April. Uh, and, and when we're up that way I asked the kids if you want to go back and you know, you guys think I'd preach long? Okay. Uh, we were in church for three hours. Alright? It was good, but it was a three-hour service, and I know that. We'll just go to the one down the street. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I can't say I blame them. but there's, uh, you know, uh, I really enjoy Dr. Willis and grateful for the man. You know, but this was this church. They weren't uh, powerful in a lot of ways. Now, Smyrna is one of the few churches that still, or area cities that still exist to this day known as Israel in Turkey, where it is built on top of this ancient city. You know, and that is something to be said. And here we read in this church, these words, these are the words of him who was the first and the last who died and came to life again. And, and what this church needs to be reminded of is that Jesus is the first. He is the preeminent one. And this is going against the culture of Smyrna, and I would suggest the culture of today. See, Smyrna would hang their hats on being the first, if not the first, one of the first uh, uh, cities to have a temple built in honor of the Caesar. That's how important they were to Rome. We are first. Smyrna first, they may say. And they would host different things. They had something to hang their hat on as a culture, as a city. And Jesus is reminding this church right at the beginning. Your culture, your world says it is first. But I am First, on preeminence.
1: And it's a struggle with
0: all kinds of things. He reminds him, He's not only the first, he is the last. He's the eternal one. He bookends all of life. The beginning, and the ends. In Revelation, it is said of God on the throne. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ends. And it says the same thing here about Jesus. You want to know that Jesus and God the Father are the same. Jesus is not a lesser God. He is God in flesh. The book of Revelation says the same thing about both of them. And if, if they're different people, they cannot be true. You know? They can't be true if they are not the same. Jesus is God. As scripture would say again and again and again. He is. And this is what they need to be reminded of. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning and the end. Have no fear, church, about a city that claims to be the first. They don't know the full truth. And have no fear, he's going to tell them, about those who will try to make your days the last day. Because they don't have the final word. If you would flip back into Revelation 1, you, you will read these words that sometimes I read at funerals. It's a great promise of God. He says, Do not be afraid, Jesus says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive. He said the same thing to this church. This is important for them and for us. And he says, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hand. Satan thought he had the keys of death. He thought he had won, but when Jesus rose again, he stole the keys out and said, this is rightfully mine. We have hope because of this. And this church in Smyrna, this community of believers needed this hope to be reminded that for them, Jesus is the first and the last. He is alive again. Smyrna knew of resurrections. The city itself was once completely destroyed in the later parts of the years before Christ and rebuilt. And they would go on and they would take great pride in this to say, hey, you can't knock us down for long. We got back up. And many other ancient cities have not had that love. But here, the Smyrna culture would say, yeah, we once got destroyed, but Rome loves us so much they he rebuilds us. Ha! How do we say similar things? How do we sometimes hang our hats on, on the fact that we may have been knocked down, but we got ourselves back up? When, where do we look for comfort and hope? Where Do we think that just because the church is big, they're better? We say no, but we really believe that. I was reminded yesterday I was at the offices uh, all day, not early, not late my mind now, uh, but I was talking with Mark, and as you know, I, I asked him to continue to pray for Mark, and his ministry among us. And you can be here one of these days, uh, maybe soon. I don't know if it's my soon or Jesus' soon, but one of these days. <laughs> and Dr. Neirsten, uh who uh, adds to your list, is going on another mission trip uh, to Costa Rica this time. And you know, Pastor Paul, I must have heard you went there. or Yeah, he went to Costa Rica, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite sure. Okay, he went somewhere good. You know, he's going as the discovery trip. We may be able to partner with our region at some point in time to take trips like that. Um, and you need to pray for him as well. But uh, Mark was telling me, the uh, without telling me the name, because I don't even know, uh, the largest giving church to ABC Ohio is one of the smallest churches in ABC Ohio. If we think small isn't powerful, we miss things. I would uh, venture to say we are a small church Okay? By all accounts. But we can be a good church. By all accounts. And we are a good church, I think. But we still need to be reminded. Because sometimes we can say, look what we have done. Look at the good we have. We can get comfortable. See, the church in Smyrna didn't have that chance to get comfortable. Because they were dealing with things that you and I uh, probably don't like. And the reality is, is the Church of Smyrna is one of only two churches. There is nothing negative said about them in these letters. There's only two, Smyrna and Philadelphia. There's only one church that nothing good is said about them. We'll get to that one too. And and, and if I uh, may be bold and blunt and honest with you today, we are not the Church in Smyrna. I think Jesus would have something to say. Yet, I hold this against. Because, because we're not a suffering church. A suffering church is a pure church. A suffering church is, I would say, a simple church. This church is a church of suffering. They have poverty, they have afflictions. And yet, the Lord says, You are rich. This isn't us. That it's probably none of the churches in there. We don't like to suffer. I mean, we have when we want to use it air conditioning. We have walls all around us. You are sitting, most of you, in a padded queue. Others of you, you at least have a metal chair that will hold you up. You know. Our suffering church in Africa, in Iraq, in China, that's not what they have. You know, we are fairly comfortable. I mean, if you were to look at our finances, and I'm not saying I'm against this, but you will know we are not suffering financially. And Jeff is happy about that, as I am. You know, this is a church that if they looked at the bottom line, it wouldn't probably be in the cloud if they hadn't. We aren't, most of us here, truly in poverty. We are mostly, maybe some of us lower class, probably the upper lower class. Most of us probably middle class. Yeah, our idea of suffering is the fact we're upset that our two liter of drink went up another 50 cents. We aren't a suffering church yet. But we have churches, and that's why they're on our list, you know, where we want to pray for the persecuted church where they're suffering, and the suffering church is a simple church. They get stripped of everything else, so that which matters most is highlighted. And what matters most, Jesus is saying to this church in Smyrna, he's reminding them, I matter most because I am the first and I am the last. I was dead, and now I'm alive again. And if we can major on that, when we become a suffering church in this world, and I believe the days are coming, okay, and I'm not praying against it, because we will come to find out there were many things about church that really don't matter one bit. But what matters is Jesus is highlighted. A suffering church is also a powerful church. They are powerful. We know that they may not have grown much in those words, but they are powerful enough that here, it's, it gives us it's this idea that the Jews that were around um, they thought they were the holy ones, and, and Jesus has some really harsh words that I don't think we earn the right to ever say, okay? I don't think we can say, well, Jesus said to a Jew, you are a synagogue and the same, so I get to say it. No, I, that's not, we can't take that literal mistake, okay? The church has said these words to our shame in years past. There were some Christians during the Holocaust time who said they deserved it because of words like this. Friends, let us be reminded that they are not Jesus. Okay? We don't get to say things like that. In fact, there are some, even to this day, who look at words of Scripture in this way and say, see, we have to, we have to take a stand against them and anybody who isn't us. And they will try to use the Bible to prove it. Friends, we have got to go, no, no, no. You missed it. Okay? But he says these, these Jews, they are on the synagogue of Satan. And, and I, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for today's. Look how powerful it is that, that the accuser himself wants to use others to get at them. He's not going to just leave them alone. What power is it? that the supernatural wants to try to come against this small church because of their faithfulness they are proclaiming, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And in those days, what is going on here I believe, as I studied it a little bit this week and was reminded this morning of it, is in, in that day in Smyrna, if, there was only one group of people who did not have to worship the imperial cult of Caesars. And that was the Jewish people. The Romans allowed it to not have to bow down to Caesar. And if we remember, and maybe we don't, in those early days, it wasn't whether or not Christian was completely separate from the Jewish faith. What the early church was saying is, we are the fulfillment of the Jewish faith. We are the people because of who Jesus is. And what is happening in Smyrna, a hey, the Philip Jewish population, and they're buying out Jewish Christians and other Christians to Rome, saying, hey, they're really not Jewish anymore. And they're not following the rules. First century tabernacle, it's right there. All right? And the church is trying to go, no, 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 we are. Jesus was a Jew. He said, I fulfill all of this. And it was, they were suffering not because of anything else other than who Jesus was. But they who not Somehow they took the whole city against them. They didn't do it. They stood to stand for who Jesus was. And it says here that they're, they're going to suffer for 10 days, and, and I know we like to be literal, and I like to be literal, but let's be honest with you. The point here is this suffering is not the end. Was it a literal ten days? Most likely not. Because what do you do? God. Okay? To throw him in the jail for 10 days, as it says, and put him in prison to test you, you know, uh, for 10 days. What John is trying to say here is: look, yes, you are a suffering, church. Jesus sees that you're suffering and Here's the good news: You're going to suffer some more, but it's not going to be the end. And whether it was it is to be put into jail in the Roman court was, was uh, for probably about three things: one, to hold you until you stood trial, and in this day and age, to stand trial for what the Christians were to uh, stand trial for coincided with the number the third reason why you be being jailed: execution. Okay? There was only the middle one that may hit be a short time. That's when they would probably try to torture you and get you to rat out all your other Christian friends with it. So this wasn't a cushy, let me go to jail. This is a, I'm going to jail and this isn't good. This isn't good. And so this wasn't just going to be a short time. But he's being reminded of, of, of who the Lord is. And being reminded of the fact that the words of Jesus says, Do not worry about the one who can take life. But be worried about the one who has power to take the soul. And I think we must maybe ask the question, is this a normal depiction of God's people via suffering people? Or is this the exception to the rule? As I've looked at it and been reminded of, The reality is is, this is probably supposed to be the norm. Yep, we look around we say it's probably not been our experience. By the grace of God it's not been our experience. But will we hear the words of Scripture? See, over and over in Philippians chapter 3, and it's not on the screen, you can open it up in your Bible or your Uh, phone app if you would like, or if you have our our app as a church, there's a tab there. You know, uh, we read uh, this of the early church where Jesus says in Philippians 3, whatever were gains to me, I consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He starts there. Jesus is the preeminent one. We've got to know him more, but he didn't just say, I want to know him more. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection, most of us would stop right there. Yes, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Because there's things in our lives that, that feel dead. There are things in our lives that don't make sense to I want to know the power of his resurrection, but Paul doesn't stop there. And he says, and I want to not just know the power of his resurrection. suffering is not so that you go, look how miserable my life is. We don't suffer for suffering sick. We suffer because of what Paul says in Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but in Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith and in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We suffer because we want to keep our eyes on Jesus the question maybe we need to ask is where have we unintentionally and intentionally allowed comfort to get in the way of who Jesus is? And that's the question for me, for us. So we have to start to realize that Jesus is more important than comfort. Anything. Do we really believe that? Francis Chan, if you want to pick up a, a book that is challenging, it's not always uh, nice and neat, uh, it says something about it, Letters to the Church. Uh, you know, I read this. It's a quick, easy read, okay? Uh, you know, read it about a week. Uh, and that tells you something. I want to gave time to it. And and he was talking about this idea of the suffering church, and um, you know, uh, talks about how the heading of one of those is, you know, when suffering becomes strange. You know, the idea that one of the journeys he's been on is trying to answer what is church, and you look at the church in the New Testament, and suffering was right there with it. You know, and he he makes a point, a right point, to say we don't look at, we don't try to suffer for the sake. This isn't. permission for us to be obnoxious and then when someone's mad at us, plan persecution and suffering. Okay. We can do that real easy. Okay. But he was talking with the leaders uh, in the church of Iraq. You know there's a church of Jesus in Iraq, right? You know there's a church of Jesus in China and Asia. Right? You know, and in fact, one of the stories you shared is not the one I'm going to pick up on. Uh, the Church of China, there was a time not so long ago where the Chinese government allowed churches to come up from the underground. And and some leaders of the Chinese church didn't know what to do. And they were kind of happy when the government cracked down again. Because they felt they were getting too comfortable. And people were too comfortable with a church that was Okay. I nice said to develop. there's nothing wrong with it. Okay? He was talking with a pastor from Iraq who uh, came to America and was heading back. And he asked, uh, the, you know, the question what was the biggest difference between our church in America and the church in Iraq? And I quote from him uh, from this book. The pastor, a friend of his, said, what we call sanctification in America. They call prerequisite. In other words, we act as though surrendering is a lifelong process where we slowly decide whether or not we will give up certain things to God. Meanwhile, the believers in Iraq teach the way Jesus taught. They are required to count the cost, surrender everything up front, otherwise they cannot join the church. Well, we there, huh? And I read that the first time. It's highlighted. Okay? And it hit me. What we call sanctification, they call through Where Have we allowed our comfort to be more important than Jesus? That doesn't mean Jesus is going to say, don't, you know, that, that, that you're everything up. The early church We're willing to give everything up on the front end in order that Jesus would be the first and the last. We, myself primarily, maybe you're like me. Please don't fire me that I admit this. But I really sometimes pray the Lord doesn't ask me to give up much more. And I'm pretty comfortable. What would it look like if I was really in need? And to some extent, I think I just mimic the way of of the American church. We want to be a good church, right? We want to be a faithful church, right? We want to be a church that Jesus would be happy to be part of, right? And we've got to be willing to say, Jesus over everything. Jesus. Over everything, you know what if? What if we, as leaders here, came up this next October meeting and we said, "Okay, church, look, we're gonna we're gonna tear out all the pews and you can sit on the floor." What? On Shannon. I'm going to get on Shannon because, you know, we have a, you know, I love her, right? And I never love me. And sometimes you speak when you probably shouldn't spoken. You know, no, this is where you get it. Amen. Okay. I hear you. <laughs> Dan, sometimes you speak when you shouldn't spoken. So okay. okay, here's the truth. I bet 99 percent of us, mm-hmm. self included. go, oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> heaven forbid, someone would have to help her out, right? Now she's not saying that. But heaven forbid somebody, the church would have to help a fellow believer up, right? Heaven forbid that, that if we saw the pastor King couldn't get up, it was a race to see who was going to be there and say, "Brother, I've got you." Let's go. Heaven forbid that in our churches today we take up a deacon's over we've used it this week. I mean, we used it this week, okay? But heaven forbid somebody in the church would have to do something for you to go around saying, I don't want to be a burden to somebody else. And as the late John Stott has said, that isn't right because the, Paul says in Galatians, we ought to carry one another burden. And so you're supposed to be a burden to one another in the faith. So I can fulfill the law of Christ and you can fulfill the law of Christ. Do yeah. I do that well? Absolutely not. Well, what if we got a little uncomfortable for the sake of Jesus? Now I think we're going to come together as the leaders and say we get rid of the pews. No, all right. But you realize the pews—they don't matter. In sight, if we get the picture of what the church in Smyrna was to see, these are the words that are of Him who was first and last, who died and came back to life. Be faithful. Even to the point of death. And I'm going to reward you with a victor's crown. See, Smyrna had this game where they would give um, you wreaths know, and crowns to people. And, and for many centuries, they would talk about Smyrna being the place where you got at. And Jesus said, look, well, your culture thinks they can give you what you want. i got something better. Overcome with me. And you don't have to worry about a second death. Because I hold the keys of death. And it is my hope. Will go on. my challenge to us today, will we make Jesus more important and comfort than anything this day? Would we be willing to suffer, not for suffering's sake, but suffer because we want to be like Jesus. Will we be willing to say with the Apostle Paul, "I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ in me"? When people run into you and me this week, who and what do they see? Do they see Jesus, or do they see me and you? You say, "Well, they probably they, they see you." I know, but but if I will live with Jesus daily. They're going to see him. They just don't know his name yet. Yet. Because the goal is when Jesus is more important than anything, they will know. They will know. When you pray, we'll be to come.